Welcome to another show, my people. Okay, so today's show gives proof that uh, you can go from a real, real low to a real, real high in life. No situation is permanent. So if you currently feel like things can't get any worse or you feel that you've made a few bad decisions, this one's for you. You can turn it around. You can turn it around. And if you decide on a plan and put in the hard, hard work, you can reach a real high. My guest today is a friend and his story is very inspirational. He goes by the name of Tyrone Hines and uh, yeah, you're in for a good one. Let's go. All right, Ty, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, total pleasure. How are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. All good. All All right, good, 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 good. So, you know, I've known Tyrone for quite a few years and uh, he's one of those... I don't know. I don't know how to put it. He's one of those. He's very humble, very unassuming, you know, just just ticks along and does his thing. And unless you ask the question, he's not really going to shout about it, you know. (laughs) So um, I remember uh, one day, quite a few years ago now, I think he was in conversation and I was sitting down and I was listening to him talk and I was thinking, this guy's done a lot. This guy's been around for a hot minute. But because he doesn't blow his own trumpet, and he doesn't really talk about it. Like a lot of people do. It's like um, it's like with with musicians. It's usually the people with quite a bit of talent mm-hmm. um, that, that just get on with it. They just get mm-hmm. on with it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see them on stage, then you then you know what they're about. Yeah. Otherwise, they're, they're pretty unassuming. Yeah. So um, I thought Tyrone would be a good person to talk to. Number one, because like I said, he'll just get on with it and not talk about himself. So I think this is a cool opportunity for people to hear uh, a pretty silent story but a very influential one still, I think. When you were uh, much younger, what was your vibe? What were you into? Thank you for having me on the show. That's all M. You know, it's a pleasure. And um, in terms of like when I was coming up, yeah. there was five of us. My mum had five of us. So there was always parties in the house. Okay. And my mum would, you know, she'd always keep parties. And sometimes I would keep parties with my friends. So... I got all my inspiration from like the records my mum would play from soca music to okay. country and western to reggae music, lovers rock, nice. grooves. So there was a variety of music, but I've always wanted to, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a dancer. Because, dancer? Yeah, that's the funny no. thing. Well, when we was younger, we used to, because we used to, I used to be into a lot of, back in the days it used to be like, um, we used to call it break dancing. Oh yeah, break oh, pop it. What, yeah. what, what an era. I love that whole period. Man. There you go. And then we used to go down to um, Covent Gardens and yeah. bring like a, a cardboard with us, <laughs> cardboard boxes so we can open it up and we know how to, you know, like when you used to spin on your back yeah, yeah. and, you know, we used to do a lot of dancing down there. So that's how it stemmed really. What so, was your, you know, what was your, your speciality? In the, the windmill. In the, the windmill. The windmill. Oh, yeah, yeah. The windmill. Athletic. <laughs> the windmill. So I was good at that and then going onto your back. I never was one to like spin on top of my head on my head as well yeah. because you had a lot did, of guys doing that. Did your parents do the whole? My parents are obviously Nigerian. I do not. If I ever catch you spinning <laughs> on your head, you'll break your neck. Everybody's dead. Everybody who's done that is dead. Well, not my child. <laughs> it's like, all right, mum. All right. I didn't really get that because no. we would we would go to Covent Garden. So it was. Oh, they it, they weren't even seeing. Yeah, they, were, they didn't even see us doing it. So she right. didn't get to see none of that. That breakdancing period was a, a a lovely. I don't know. I watched breakdancers. I'm pretty sure. A lot of people did. Yeah. And I, I was really, really inspired. I was oh, yeah. used to body. I wasn't as good as you guys. Though, I think everybody wanted to dance at that time. Yeah. There. It was really good. And then everyone had their white gloves. There know, we go. Their, their t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they'll do that move. I think there's like a part in the movie, Breakdance, yeah. where you had the guy um, outside the shop where he had the, he had the, the broom. broomstick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's doing the move. Yeah. yeah. And I think after that part, everybody wanted to do that. Have you gone onto YouTube and done the, where are they now? What are they doing now? Kind of thing before. No, I haven't. I did that for him. Yeah. I forgot his name. <laughs> was I it Turbo? Name. Turbo. Turbo. I yeah, I Turbo. I think it was Turbo. Yeah. Turbo. And, uh, he, you know, you see him, he's much older now, obviously, but still he was in front of a shop on YouTube. Yeah. Doing the thing. It was pretty cool. Oh uh, yeah. It was if, really cool. If anyone's then. got the time, they should go and do, I do, I do that every so often. Like, <laughs> where are they now? Yeah. See what they're doing. How old are you when you're doing the breakdancing? Um, 16. 16? Yeah. So uh, school was was a factor at that point as That's well, right? right? Yeah, so yeah. What, how did you navigate that alongside music, alongside just moving forward? What was the next step for you? Well, I didn't actually get into the music scene until 1999. Um, okay. Reason B is yeah. um, when I was younger, you know, we do stupid things. Yeah. I ended up in prison. Okay. And um, I spent five years in prison. 
Five years, okay. Yeah, five years in prison. Yeah. And I learned a lot while being in there. Okay. You know. I uh, guess a lot of self-reflection time. Of course, of yeah. course. And being in there, I wanted to not be the person who got me in there. Yeah. So I was trying to better my life and trying to do the right things. And I think as time went by, I found myself. I knew who I was. Yeah. And when I came out, I decided that I wanted to get into the music business. Okay. You, you see, know. a lot of people feel that when you go to a prison, you're either written off or while you're in there, you're only surrounded by bad people and it's such an effort to turn things around. Uh, how did you find it while you were in there? Did you find it, uh, uh, you know, uh, was it hard to stay on the straight and narrow? Was it hard to find your, your niche and get your mind in the right space? Or That's a beautiful question. Um, for me, the beginning was the hardest because okay. you got to learn how to adapt that big adjustment is yeah, it? you've it's, got your it, full freedom. It's a huge adjustment. You know, your whole freedom is being taken away. Yeah. Your life has been taken away. Your family's been taken away. Yeah. Your rights has been taken away to a certain extent. So the adjustment was very hard in the very beginning. But like everything else, you know, you learn to how to adjust. Yeah. You see your other inmates around you. And like, you know, if you're fortunate to find the good people around you, they'll show you the way. If I not- guess there's a number of, like, I don't know, if I was to think about, initially, like, in my mind, think about doing time, the first thing you think of is, oh, your freedom's taken away. But you just listed a number of things which, as you're saying it, I was like, actually, it's true, your family's taken away, your rights are taken away. Socially, I guess, you know, you've got to make new friends. And if you stumble across the wrong friend or you're unlucky enough to make the wrong friend on entry, uh, it, it could, I guess, determine how your, your time is in there. So were you just immediately drawn to the right type of person and in, lucky in that way? Or did you take some time to look at, at who was who and think, all right, this person seems more like me. Let's, let's hang out. I would say for me, I'm very observant. Yeah. And I like to, you know, take my time in things. And being in there, I was just being myself. Okay. And I found that, you know, if you keep, keep yourself to yourself, it could still get you into trouble. But more than likely, you know, people kind of look at you and they see that you know you're not really getting yourself involved here and there yeah. so they'd want to come and speak to you and they want to know what you're about okay because you're not shouting out what you're about yes so they want to know what you're about so when people come up to you and you know you, you just say your truth and you, you make friends with them and you just tell them who you are it's more organic because you know real recognize real yeah you can't fool people in prison yeah you know real recognize real if you're carry yourself well then you're going to get recognized for that because a lot of people in there don't carry themselves well. Okay. <laughs> They're always getting themselves into trouble. Right, right. So honestly, for me, I found it hard in the beginning, but easier towards the end. Nice. Because um, I, I kind of found myself and I knew who I was. And I'm a very you know, spiritual person and I, and I believe in a higher force. Yeah. So, you know, whatever name floats your boat for the people, you know, God, the, the creator, the universe, whatever you know, name floats people's boats, you know. I found that dwelling within myself and speaking to a higher force helped me a lot as well. Okay, so your faith carried you through. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, so that helped me a lot. So when when did you make the decision for music then? So when you came out, you thought, okay, um, because I would imagine while you're inside, you've got a lot of time to think, all right, when I come out, what am I going to do? There's a lot of people inside prison who when they come out, they want to get into the same things what got them in there. And there's people in prison who, when they come out, they want to turn their lives around and um, do better things. A guy I met inside prison, his name was Vino. Okay. He used to like the promotional side of things. So he likes the way I fought and I like the way how he fought. And we promised each other when we get out, you know, if we ever get into a business or side of promotion, that we will hook each other up. Nice. So, so he was a promoter prior to me you mean no him? he wanted to, he wanted to do promotions when he came out okay yeah okay. he wanted to get into the promotional side nice. of things like bringing over acts and um you know what he said he wanted to do in there that's exactly what he done when he came out brilliant brilliant he would bring over artists like mob deep and dmx oh, man. and that's how i got into it you know it was through vino and as i said to you earlier the promotional side of it i didn't feel like it was my strength i would more be into like looking after an artist okay you know, bringing them over and developing an artist okay because i'm good with people and i like to engage with people and help them and inspire them you know to yeah. take them wherever they want to go to were you able to find an artist that inspired you enough to think okay i'm going to give this a shot like what was your first 
artists that you came across where you thought, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try. Okay. Well, I didn't tell you about my friend. I had a co-defendant. His name was Desmond and uh, okay. we were very close and it was through Desmond. I met Vino. Because right. Vino and Desmond are from the same area. Okay. So that's how we all came about and we all put our heads together and we said, you know, when we get out, we don't want to come back here. We don't want to put our families through this again. Nice. We don't want to put ourselves yeah. through this again. Yeah. And this is what we decided to do. We had a plan when we came out. We wanted to get into to the side of the music industry. Okay. And um, that's exactly what we did when we came out. Specialist Moss was the first artist who I knew through Desmond and Vino. Okay. And we took a break with him. This is when we went to Iron Appa. You went to Iron Apple. We went to Iron Apple to bring him to promote him out there. That's Vino's side as well. He wanted to promote the guy. So Vino was very good at that. Creating hype when there's no hype. Okay. <laughs> he was very good at that. I know a few people that are very charismatic. <laughs> very, yeah. you know, the people's person. They'll make you feel like family. It's good. And then they're you know, good to do business around. So that's yeah. good. So while you were in Iron Apple, did you go there just once? A few times? Or? Oh, we went there about three times. Three times. Total, okay. Yeah, about and, three times we went there. And he performed uh, each of those times? Well, the second time we went there, we went with a new artist, a different artist. When we came back from Iron Apple and um, all the hype was around Specialist Moss at the time, okay. we got connected to a lot of A&Rs, people working in labels, managers, other people. I would imagine that a lot of artists or potential managers might think, how do I make those connections? So for you at the time, who was obviously green as a manager. Mm-hmm. How did you make the connection to those A&R people? So you took uh, Specialist Moss out mm-hmm. to Iron Apple. Mm-hmm. And then how did the whole uh, relationship with labels and A&R people start? It was down to a record Specialist Moss recorded. Okay. And that record was being played in Iron Apple okay. by most of the top DJs out there. Which is why he went out to perform. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then- so so if, you've, if you've got a record where, you know, it's doing well in the clubs and your fans are reacting to that record and where they was reacting in, in the clubs where they wanted that record rewinded so many times. Okay. A lot of the A&Rs, that's their job to be out there, to seek out new talent. So they obviously saw the right Moss. there on a holiday, having a few drinks. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a bad job. Just, just going to go look for some talent, going down to Iron Apple. <laughs> exactly. I need a budget because I, you know, I need to entertain some people as well. Exactly. That's all right. Yeah. So that's how it all came about. Okay, we, so they, they approached you while you're out yeah, there? Yeah, we got approached because you got a product and they approached us and probably, they, you know, they wanted to sign that record. Okay. You know, so that's how all the um, the, the A&Rs came to yeah. us. That's how we networked. Would you like, especially if you're at that time relatively new in management, once those contracts start coming in, isn't it a bit of a, a bit nerve wracking? Because... Contract lingo is very different to regular lingo. And also, you're taking care of an artist, so you want to get it right for the artist. Mm-hmm. It's another hurdle to climb, but was that a bit of a nerve-wracking time once the contracts start coming in and they, they start getting into contract talk? What methods did you put in place to try and figure that bit out? Yeah, that's a good question as well. Um, if you've got a good lawyer, yeah. which we had to seek, when the first contract came in, that is, and that contract came in for a young lady called Miss Dynamite, Ah. So that was the opportunity that we had to take the contract to a lawyer. Okay. And the lawyer who you take it to, if they break it down in layman terms for you. It makes it easier. Then it makes it easier. That's my advice. What I would say, take it to a lawyer. Yeah. Let him break it down for you. And then you have a better understanding. That's what happened to us. Okay. All right. So you did special master then you said there was a second artist. Yeah. The second artist was Miss Dynamite. Oh, that was the second Yeah, that was the second artist. That you landed was, on your feet there, didn't you? That was actually... <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great experience, really. And, you know, I thank the whole team that was involved at the time that helped us, you know, get Dynamite to where she got to. Yeah, big. You know, that was a very good learning curve for us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Miss Dynamite was, was one of the first artists where we got a contract, actually got a contract what okay. we had to take to a lawyer. Right. So how did that <laughs> hookup happen? I'll have to go way back now. That was actually through... When I was away in prison, I met a guy called Sherwin. Okay. And Sherwin referred me to a friend of his. Okay. And that friend of his referred me to another friend. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And that's how we got to meet Miss Dynamite. When you say referred me to, why? Because when I left prison at the time, Sherwin was still in prison and he wanted me to come back and see him and visit him. Okay, cool. Which I promised him I did. So yep. he introduced me to a friend of his on the out. And that friend of his on the out, I had to go and meet her. And we went up to go and see Sherwin. When I went to go and visit Sherwin, we went together. Okay. To go and visit Sherwin. Right. And that person was in the music business? 
yeah, that person was in the music business. Okay, all right. And then good. that person introduced yeah. me to other people in the music business. And that's how we got to meet Miss Dynamite because okay. Miss Dynamite needed to help at the time. In in what way? Um, she recorded some song with Jason K. Okay. And another guy called Sticky. Okay. Sticky the song was called K, Boo yeah. at the time. And I think <laughs> Dynamite needed I think a few help. people know that one. Yeah, they'll yeah. know that record. <laughs> she needed help with the contracts at the time. Okay. So that's when myself and my partner, Desmond at the time, got involved. And um, we was just looking so at So just her. to take her to a lawyer or, or just to be the safeguard in between? Yeah. yeah to be the man. Okay. They needed a device. Okay. You know, and at that time, you know, we already seen a lawyer before. So the avenues was kind of open for us. Okay. So Makes that's sense. how it all started. And then she got an offer for her record, Boo. And that record went on to do very well, as you know. Really? You know? So that's how I would say our first introduction to the music industry Going inside a record label. It's a bigger and doing a, a big deal. introduction. Yeah. <laughs> and doing the actual deal. Okay, so you've been referred. There's this artist, Miss Dynamite. We think that she needs some assistance. Can you meet up? What was your first meeting like? The first meeting yeah. was just to meet up with her. Okay. Anybody you want to take on, you want to get to know them. I might not like her, she might not like me. So it's best that we go meet, hear what the story was, yeah. get all the facts. And um, we had dinner. Yeah. So it was a good informal meeting. Nice, nice. And when I got to meet her, you know, she was a wonderful girl. She still is. And I said, you know what, to Desmond, let's take this on. Yeah. You know, let's like do it. this. Let's help her. Nice. And that's how it all started. And Desmond was like, yeah, he's feeling it too. Oh, he was inspired by it as well. Because, you know, she, she was doing a lot of um, radio shows at the time. And a lot of pirate radio stations back then. So she kind of had a little name for herself. A buzz was, was yeah, just was a, starting. There was a buzz around her. But um, speaking to her and seeing how she looked at things and looked at life and what she had to say. I was going to say, because sometimes that, that first meeting can feel, on both sides, you know, a, a bit nervy, a bit, you know, because mm -hmm. you, you're hoping that you like the person that you meet mm -hmm. and they're probably hoping that they find a, a, something that impresses them. So what in that meeting made you feel, do you know what? No, this person has got something. I think it was her head, how she looked at life and what she wanted to do. Okay. And how she spoke about people and how she spoke about her own people, should I say, like black people and, yeah. you know, just things in general. Nice. Okay. You know, she, she comes from a, a, a family where her dad was black and her mum was white. Yep. And um, she spoke highly of her mum. And um, that's what inspired me, just how she fought. And hearing some of her records, lyrically, inspired me even more. Brilliant. That, you know, she's got something good to say. Yeah, so it was a good match for you. Definitely. All right. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so then you take uh, her to a lawyer. And then that record comes out. I mean, that's a big skip to say that record just came out. <laughs> so that's a, that's a huge skip. But was the record finished by that point? Yeah, the record was finished. Okay, so the record was time. finished. The record label liked it as it was. And then you stepped in to say, okay, let's clean things up legally. Yeah. And then let's get things Well, moving. the record was bubbling on the underground for about nine months before all that happened. Nine months. Okay. Yeah, so, so she was gigging. We was out there gigging the record, getting okay. experience, going on the road. You know, from places from up Birmingham, Manchester, all the way back down to London. So after all that had happened where she gained the following, the fan base, that's when the record label okay. kicked in. Okay. Because there was already a buzz around that song. All right. Yeah, so you time. came in in that buzz making process during that period on we, the road, all that whole lot. Yeah, we came in when the record was just finished. It, was, it didn't even hit the clubs yet. Okay, that's, that's what I'm getting. Th that's okay. the times when we came in. All right. So it then needed to hit the clubs. Okay. So at that time, you know, you'd get a lot of records pressed up in white labels. Yep. And we would have the record pressed up and then we'll go out of that one record and we'll gig that record up and down the country. And that's how all the buzz happens. So, you know, we was there from the start. And I think that's a great experience because you're watching an artist grow from a seed to a flower. Yeah. I guess times have changed now in the way that seed oh, yeah. is developed. Oh, yeah. However, um, I think there are two different distinct talents. You know, sometimes people get signed to a label and go into a development deal. Mm -hmm. And I still think that is very, very different to not being in a label and doing the same development. Yeah, I think it's more, yeah. it's definitely more organic. Yeah. You know, you're not being pressurized and you're experiencing it. You know, experience is the, one of the best things when you go through the process. Best teacher. You know, it's the best teacher when you're going through the process rather than where you're signed to a major company and they're telling you, look, this is what we need. You know, so you, you, you would have to go out there and do that. But I think. I think that's the difference, you know, what you just said there. I think that's what it is. It's, this is what we need. But when you're on your 
own doing it. It's this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing if what you want aligns with what the public need. Mm -hmm. And I think when that alignment is very, very true, when you found what you want to do that lines up with what the public need, mm -hmm. it's a great synergy. You can run, you can you know become big. But I, some, sometimes if you're told this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Don't work sometimes. Yeah. Who told you? All right, you need to go on the road now and then you also need to do this and you need to do this. You know, was there anyone guiding you in that way or were you just looking at what other people were doing and thinking, all right, well, we better go on the road then or, you know. At the time we had an agent and that agent was a girl called Sarah Extreme. You know, respect nice to Sarah. One, yeah. She she put in a lot of graft for Miss Dynamite for her to get all the gigs and things like that. So I think we was placed with the right people around us and through Jade, who was the A&R, for Miss Dynamite, she had her contacts as well. So, you know, I think we was blessed in a way where all the right people we needed was around us. All we needed to do was to execute the job. And that's what we did really, you know. Okay, so uh, that built well, you did the contracts and then it came to what, release week? Well, as you know yourself as an as yeah. artist, once the um, songs get signed, then they want to do a video to it and then there's a big build up an eight week build up back then it was like an eight week build up now it's about two hours <laughs> <laughs> two hour build, build up we want it now climax you're out everything is now 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 now. they yeah. want it everything now so there was there was more of a build up back then yeah. you know so you'd have time to do the video you'd have time to promote the record to send it all to the DJs to the radio stations you know so there was a build up at the time and then the release will come on the release date Okay. Then it gets released, which done very well, actually. Yeah. You know, so. Did very well. Then, you know, Polydor Records gave her a five album deal. And I would imagine at that point then, you've gone from, oh, do you know what? When I come out, I want to change my life around. I want to do music. And then you've, your first thing you, you get involved with, people are interacting with. Second thing you, you, you side, you're sitting in Polydor with lawyers and thinking, okay, now I've really got to get this right. Yeah, the record's charted, and a five album deal is now on the table. That's fine because you're going back to the same lawyer who helped you, you know. Yeah, with the get first. Back at, right. get back in the first place. That's right. But you've now got product managers. You've got you know people now on your back saying, "All right, we need the next thing." There's a pressure of the expectation of that first album and subsequent albums. So, did you feel a new pressure for you as a manager? It, yeah, that transition. You know, it it, it was huge. It was a huge transition because I'm coming into a business where I knew nothing about the business. Exactly. You don't know nothing about it. So everything what you just mentioned there is all new to, to myself and to my partner and to Miss Dynamite herself. You know, it's all new to all of us. So, so she's looking at you and you're looking at her I think we'll and she's looking at you and, <laughs> and you're looking to God like, Faith, please, I don't know. We've got to figure this one out. I think, yeah. to be honest, I think the experience what me and Desmond had coming from the streets played a part of that okay you know it played a big part of that of how to deal with people being in prison how to hold your own and how to deal with people and talk to people that helped a great deal as well you know because we went through dealing with a lot of hardened criminals and if you're coming out and now you're dealing with people in suits you you think it's easier yeah but, you know, you can still get criminals in these places as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you exactly. know, they can pull the wool over your eyes. So there you go. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, having that experience coming from where we came from, it definitely helped us being in the industry because we was coming from a position where you don't trust no one. Yeah. You know, you got to watch your back all the time. That's good. And we weren't committing to anything. And anything we was committing to, we was scrutinizing it, looking at it, weighing it all up. You know, so I think that, definitely played a part for us anything we didn't know we'll go back to our lawyer our lawyer will break it down for us and if we felt like you know what this ain't right for us we just wouldn't do it if we felt like this is right for us we would do it and that way i guess you have no regrets because you really did go with your heart and what you exactly what you felt was right if you if you learn to say you know if, you, if something ain't right for you just say no don't go for it just because it's warner or it's universal or it's sony you know okay so you followed your heart Polydor was 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 positive because you know obviously um, Dynamite's uh, subsequent success. Was oh yeah, she went on to winning like three. I think it was two Brit Awards, three Mobiles, yeah. and the Mercury Prize. Come on, yeah. So that you must that was great. You, you must have had a few moments where you're standing there like, 
No, it was unreal. We turned, yeah. thing, we turned this thing around. Yeah, definitely. We definitely. actually turned it around. Yeah, definitely. Because if that's yeah. like a first artist, what you've, you you know, what you got into and, you know, that don't really happen to a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. you know, but I guess like our determination yeah. and what we went through yeah. and, you know, for me, I speak for myself, I didn't want to go back to where I came from. Yeah. I wanted to better myself and I had that in my head and I said, I'm never going back and I'm never putting myself through that and my family. So I think that helped as well for me to turn my life around. That's and really that's what good. I wanted to do. And not only turn my life around, I wanted to turn other people's lives around if I can help them and inspire them. So even up to this day, I still feel that same way. I still feel motivated about it, you know, so Brilliant. that's what helped a lot. Okay. All right. So... You're sailing high. You're flying high. It's Mercury Prize, Brits, Mobiles. Everyone's celebrating. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know everything has highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah. Still on the crest though. Still on the high. That was first album, yeah? Yeah, that was the first album. Okay, so then you've got to move on to the second album now. That's right. That's like wipe the slates clean. Yeah. Everybody loves you, but yes, wipe the slates clean. And how do we find this next record? And 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 see for me, getting into the music industry was definitely a struggle in mm-hmm. that you're putting so much of your heart in not knowing whether something's going to work. Right, yeah. But once you do have, boom, some yeah. success, the pressure for the follow-up, label-wise, everyone-wise, yeah. plus the pressure that you put on yourself anyway, because you know, mm-hmm. in my case, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, mm-hmm. it's intense. So how do you then, from a manager's perspective, what was your thought process? What was your, where were you emotionally? Were you just trying to support Miss Dynamite and what she was doing? Naomi and said, oh, you know, you can do it kind of thing. Also, how did the conversations within the meetings that you were having, how did that change? You know, Yeah, I think um, at the time when we was on the high, we'll still stay on the high, as you said. When we was on the high and we was winning all the awards and, um, you know, we was getting credited and, you know, we had people like Dr. Dre knocking on the door, wanting to work with, <laughs> With with Miss Dynamite, Doctor Dre, and that's, that's someone big. who I always looked up to. Oh, so yeah. you know, Dr. I, I don't, I don't really get starstruck. Yeah. But to be <laughs> meeting Doctor Dre, I kind <laughs> oh, of around did, that time you met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. I, I, I did get starstruck. But at the time when we spoke, I just realized, like, you know what? Just a human being. Yeah, a human being with more money than me, obviously. Yeah. So um, we did experience, you know, when you're on the high, everybody has got something to say. Yeah. That's what I realized. You know, it could be within the family. <laughs> people other people's family everybody turns into managers you know so that was um, <laughs> that was something i had to deal with which i didn't really deal with well because what got you there in the first place which makes perfect logical sense you stick to the formula we all know you stick to the formula the minute you remove a spark plug from an engine it's not going to run properly and that's what happened within the camp you know there was a lot of people that had their opinions yeah and um it came to an end we talked about the second album we didn't even get to the second album well actually i didn't get to the second album okay um because myself or desmond didn't get to the second album because both of you yeah because um there was a lot of arguments inside and miss dynamite didn't want desmond to represent her no longer okay and um at the time me and desmond fell out as well you know, there's, okay. there was a lot of disagreements. All right. You know, I won't go into full details, yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of disagreements and okay. we and we decided to part ways. Okay. So myself and Desmond parted ways. Okay. And Miss Dynamite wanted to stay along with me. Okay. I was going to walk away from the whole project. You know, when I saw the... the arguments, the disputes. Arguments, the disputes, the backstabbings and things like that, you know, I, I decided to come away from it. Completely? Completely. And okay. that's when Miss Dynamite said, if you're coming away, then I'm coming away with you. Oh, okay. So, so that's how we separated. We okay. split up. She, so she was like, if you're going... Yeah, I was walking away. I was walking away from the project. So just she leave thought, her well, and... I want to go as well then? Yeah, because I was leaving her with Desmond and just walking oh, away see. from it. I see. Yeah, because me and Desmond fell out. Okay. So on the back of that, you know, I didn't want nothing to do with the project. Yes. You know, although yeah. we had all the fame and the success yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, what was your... You know, again, I'm just trying to stick with you. So... What was your reason for thinking, okay, this is a bit much for me now, I'm going to step back? Like, was it the one to go in a new direction? You didn't agree with that direction? Or was it just within the smaller camp, your own camp, yeah. there were a few arguments or what, you know? I would say that boiled down to me and my partner, Desmond. Okay. Because as I said, before we even got into the music industry, yeah. we were friends before we met Miss Dynamite yes. okay. or Specialist Moss or anybody like okay. that. And I think... So you weren't seeing eye to eye anymore? Yeah. Okay. I think the loyalty we had coming from whatever we 
you know, being in yeah. prison and came into going, question. You know, we kind of separated. Okay. He had his um, own ideas what he wanted to do. I had my ideas and the best thing to do was to, to separate it. Yeah. So that's how it came came about. I see. So because you guys thought, all right, let's separate. So then she's then got to make an important decision for herself. Yeah, because well. I was coming away from the management Where company. Am I? Yeah, yeah okay. I was walking away from it. I was, I was okay. prepared to leave it all. Okay. You know? All right. I was happy to do that. Okay. So following your your branch then, you decided to step away. You stepped away? Yep. Stepped okay. Away. What was your next step? Well, the, the next step was Miss Dynamite still wanted to stay with me. So obviously okay. the contract what she was in with Polydor, we still had to fulfill the rest of the albums. So it was one man down. I didn't know whether I could take it on by myself or not. Give it a shot. I got this far, so we'll carry on. So we was talking about the second album. Yeah. I remember going out and we was recording the second album. Okay. And halfway through the second album, you know, things was going all right. For was us. that in the UK? You recorded that? This was in Miami. Oh, Miami yeah, now? Yeah, okay. we, had to, we had to go to the Miami. The budget had increased. <laughs> uh, and you were allowed to now take flights to international destinations. So uh, so you went to Miami to record it. That's nice. Yeah, we went to Miami. I think we recorded, while I was involved in the second album, yeah. I, I would say I wasn't involved, but I was only involved for about four records. Three or four records, I think it was. Yeah, three or four records. All done in Miami. Yeah, all done in Miami. And um, when we came back to take a break, we didn't do the full album there. We came back to take a break. At that time there, um, me and Miss Dynamite, won't go into details again. Yeah, that's fine. But we decided to part. Okay, all right. Yeah, I believe like she had people in her camp that wanted to take her a certain right. direction. Yeah. And, you know, we left amicably. Yeah. We still speak up to this day now. Yeah. And we parted. That's how yeah. it ended. So okay. your highs and lows, that was my lows at that time there. Okay. Where we parted, all right. drifted apart. All right. So you drifted apart. Again, I'm trying to stay on your your branch of things. Yeah. Mentally at that point, you're not golden egg, but I would see it as a golden egg, you know, mm -hmm. has decided, like you said, amicably for, all right, you move forward. Mm -hmm. What were you thinking at that point? Well, at the time, I think the most important for me, what I lost there was a friendship. Yeah. Because we went through so much together. From zero to hero. Yeah. You know, it's like from, from naught to hundred, you know, yeah. as you said, but we had so much in common and, you know, we lost a lot and that, for me, I would have rather give back the, the, awards the success, and the, the awards that. and everything. Yeah. And kept a good friend. And kept a good friendship. Yeah. I, I would have traded that back in any day. Oh. But unfortunately, life wasn't like that. Yeah, it didn't happen. And, and, you know, we grew up and we had to split apart. We split apart. So leaving Dynamite, I did think, well, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, I've got all this experience in management. Yeah. Why don't I just stay into managing? And that, that's what I continue doing. Okay. You know, I continue developing artists, you know, meeting people like Naughty Boy along the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, we met um, Big Nasty. Nice. You know, you had acts like Bashy. Bashy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all these artists. So, you know, I still went on to managing, but I knew like the music, the music was always going to be within my, within love within me. Yeah, it never goes away. Yeah, it never goes away. But I took a break. I took time out at that time. Yeah. I took time out to delve with the self again and what I really wanted to do. Yeah. I'm realizing that being creative is a very similar journey, regardless of whether you're an artist, whether you're an A&R person, mm -hmm. whether you're a manager, it's the same pattern and mm -hmm. it's the same story. I would imagine, because obviously I'm an artist, so I know the pressures an artist can come under and also from a similar uh, um, story to yours where mm -hmm. I've had extremely close relationship and still yeah. have extremely yeah. close relationships. And there's always that pull between business, between friends, between agendas. And the real thing that matters at the core of it all, when you come from that type of background where you've been um, on the road together, the real thing that when you sit back and think about the whole journey you want to hold on to are the friendships. Exactly. Because they mean so, so, so much. Exactly. Um, exactly. But at the same time, you also appreciate that people come under different pressures at different times in their life mm -hmm. and make various decisions, some right, some wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but it's when you lose a friendship, that's that that's the hard one. Being creative, it involves putting energy out there. Mm -hmm. It involves, if you're being genuine about your creativity, it involves putting your heart on the line and mm -hmm. really, you know, I'm imagining when you were trying to make Miss Dynamite succeed, or the specialist Moss or anyone else, you're putting 100% of yourself into it, really wishing and willing it 
to win. Mm-hmm. And that that process is like when a recording artist or singer, songwriter or whatever goes into the studio and they're really trying to get a great song. They're really trying to make a great album. They're really, there's an energy that gets given off. Mm-hmm. And if you keep on doing that, and then you come across these other pressures, a bit, you know, of uh, relationship kind of pressures, friendships, you can reach burnout. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody needs to stop sometimes and just pause and let, if things are going to fall away, things are going to fall away. And if things are going to go great, they are. but you really do sometimes have to switch off and let go and say, do you know what? I need to turn off. You Otherwise you just burn out and then you need you know. to connect with yourself again. Yeah. Definitely so do. that moment that you got to where you said, you know what? I think I need to step away. I think all creative people do that. I've spoken to a yeah. same story. Yeah. Artists, same story. Yeah. Now managers, same, same story. story. Yeah. So, um, yes, all right. So you reached that period where you thought, you know what, this is no longer fun. I kind of need to just... You hit the nail on the head. It's there. the fun part, yeah, right? When, when the fun part goes, you know, you have to take time out. You might as well be in a nine to five that you don't like, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, all right. So you stopped. Uh, what did you do? Go surfing for <laughs> seven years? I went fishing. <laughs> Bungee jumping. Yeah, fishing. Yeah, <laughs> sit on a lake somewhere on your own. I, I went fishing. No, <laughs> y- you know, you 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 still you're still always gonna have the love of music, and it's always gonna be there within you, and you're always gonna keep your eye out for new talent and things like that. But at that time, I needed to delve within myself again you know just just be happy really yeah. i was traveling a lot at the time you know my mum lives in st lucia so i'll be in st lucia all the time with her taking time out it was only when i think house music was really coming okay. at the forefront electronic music yeah. i would say around it was around 2012 2013 okay time years passed yeah, yeah that's when I felt the urge to really get back into it again yeah. because um, I've always been a lover of dance music, house, yeah. you know, garage music back yeah. in the day. And, um, Can't body pop to that though. No, no, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different style. <laughs> yes, yeah, a different style. But um, that's what inspired me to, to get back into it. And I wanted to kind of focus more on DJs. Okay. Because, you know, the DJ side of it, you know, DJs was becoming an artist within themselves. You had people like Calvin Harris, that's really Massive. done well out of it. You Massive. had Tiesto, a lot of the EDM artists and David Guetta. Yeah. You know, so seeing a DJ performing and working with other artists, I think that's what really got me back into into the music yeah. again. Just to clarify, not wanting to be a DJ, but wanting no. just to get involved in the scene and see how you can help exactly. someone in there. Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, if you can manage an artist, you can manage a DJ. They're still artists. Yeah, yeah. You know, people with emotions and a strategy. I always say, if you can manage your own life, you can manage. Yeah. You know, try and manage <laughs> your own life. Yeah, yeah. Then you can manage. You know. That's a good one. Yeah, so um, that's what really got back into me, and that's what really turned 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 me back on into getting back into the music industry okay. and helping develop artists yeah. like did, what I do now. Did you? Um, I was going to say, did you take steps towards that? Then, like, what was your steps to doing that? You just started approaching approaching different uh, people who you thought were good, or? Oh yeah, yeah. There's um. A thing called SoundCloud, which everybody knows. SoundCloud, you know, you can find so many artists. I think at one time you had MySpace. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> used to use MySpace. Yeah, yeah. Then around 2012, 2013, everybody would use SoundCloud. I know a lot of people's on Instagram now. Yeah. But SoundCloud was the place to go to. Yeah. You know, and through SoundCloud, I found one artist. And then when you say through SoundCloud, you found one artist. So you were just browsing on there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you you come across a lot of talented DJ stroke producers because, you know, that that is an artist you can be a dj but a lot of the top djs they're producers they producers as well so they got that title dj slash producer that's what i was aiming for so you just went on there you started cold calling anyone that you thought was good you thought this sounds good excuse me my name's tyron <laughs> you know what i've done i've been chilling with dr dre in miami <laughs> send me your record <laughs> it was more so the music really the music's really got to hit you yeah. you know and i was listening to music I, you know i wasn't actually seeking DJ Strock producers, yeah. but I was in a way, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, subconsciously, yeah. you knew what you were looking for. So listening to their music, if something resonates within you, it resonates. You can't lie. The music don't lie. You know, if your hair's on your arm, stand up. It's not lying. Yeah. And I came across a few talented producers whose music did that to me. And those are the people who I'd reach out to. So it's more like a gut instinct kind of thing. You know, if it resonated with me, I'd reach out to the artist. So you just send them an email or whatever. Hi. I like what you do. Yeah, well, you approach how you approach people. Yeah, you tell them, you know, what their music did for me, and I think telling the truth from what it did for me opened up a dialogue 
you know, because I guess as a DJ or you yourself as an artist, your music, you want it to connect with people. Yeah, it's the key. And if someone told you what it done to them, yeah. I'm sure that story means a lot to you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, so I was telling them what it done to me and then they would open up and say, you know, well, that's what I wanted it to do. And I'm glad you shared that story. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of the connections came through that way when I, you know, Very spoke my truth. Again, yeah. yeah, it happened organically and if there was anything I could do for them. I offered my position. Nine times out of 10, all of them responded back. Nice. Some of them people who I met back then are still with me now. Brilliant. I'm still looking after some of the acts who I, who yeah. I found back in 2012 till now. Cool. You know? so, so now you've got a, a roster that you're happy with? Yeah, I've got a roster with um, about six artists now. Nice. DJ Stop Producers. It's been a gradual thing. It takes yeah. its time. And a lot of the music we're doing is underground music. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's not commercialized because a lot of DJs like to be cool and they yeah. want to stay on the underground. Yeah. And they're happy with their gigs going out there and doing tours and things like that. Yeah. What's your take on that? Like the way the... I feel that the landscape keeps on changing and I think just as things were getting stable, COVID decided to turn up and just unstabilize everything, uh, destabilize everything. What is the key to being a productive, a sustainable DJ slash producer, being able to do what you love and make it sustainable? That's very hard for some artists because a lot of artists, that's the life they want to choose and that's the life they want. They want to be like the Calvin Harris. They want to be like the TSLs. Which is huge that's and right. very commercial. That's right. Yeah. But not everyone's going to get that break and no. not everyone's going to be like that. So you've got credible artists like Camel Fat that can go from the underground to the overground. You've got credible artists like MK who can still, you know, got love on the underground and got love on the underground. Yeah. On the overground, should I say. My take on it is some people want to go commercial, but they want to be cool with it. But they just want to be known on the underground but they still want to go commercial. That sounds like one to type your cake and eat it. It doesn't go like <laughs> Which that. Which one is it? Yeah, it doesn't go like that, you know? So I think people should be able to just make good music. There we go. Whether it crosses over or it don't, it's music. That's up to the people, yeah. That's right. Let the people decide. What it is, is because everyone's scared of their image and they don't want to be known as a commercial artist, Yeah. they tend to shy away from that. But I think producers need to... Learn how to make songs. There's a lot of producers that make beats. Yeah, two very different things. Yeah, they're, they're two different categories. They, you know, you can be a producer or you can be a beat maker. And I think beat makers are good for the clubs. And I think producing, where you're going in the studio, you're recording with an artist, a vocalist. You know how to do their vocals, produce their vocals. You know how to structure the song. That's right. You know, you know how to make the verse, the chorus and everything, as you know yourself. Yeah. You know, so that's the big difference. And that's what I would encourage with a lot of producers. DJ yeah. stock producers or beat makers, if they can learn how to make songs as well, yeah. that's sustainable but for But then them do as you well. think that also then, because I think the minute you put a song on something, then it in its being becomes a commercial entity or has the potential to. Because the thing with the song is so many more people suddenly can relate to it because there's a story on it or there's a melody on it that they like. Mm -hmm. So then... I'm just, again, thinking from a manager's point of view, if an artist who wants to just stay underground and just wants to be cool, I don't want to see the sunlight, right? <laughs> uh, uh, make some beats and then someone puts a great song on it and then, or they put, put a great song on it, whatever, however it is, a great yeah. song is made on their track. Yeah. And then it starts becoming big or starts getting interest from a label, which is commercial. How do you, as a manager explain to them or, or show them the potential in what could be and how that could make what they're doing then more sustainable. You know, how it's, have you danced it, that it, dance? It's a fine line. And my managing strategies, I don't tell my artists what to do. Free will can be a pain sometimes because everybody's got free will. <laughs> I like that. Free will can be a pain sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's got free will. Who am I to dictate their life? I'm there to manage them. I work for them. They don't work for me. I work for them. So I can only give them my best advice and coach them and guide them to experience what I've been through and what I've seen. So you give them the information and they can make a decision. Exactly. And you have to be adult enough to say, okay, if that's that, what the way you want to go, there we go. That's free will. Okay. So I have to give them their free will. If our creator gives us free will, who am I to deny not to someone give, else? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I don't yeah. think I'm in that right. But I can advise them and tell them, if you go that way, 
more than likely this is going to happen. But if you go this way, this is going to happen. I think that's the key to good management. I was talking to one of my previous managers uh, on a different episode mm -hmm. and he had the same philosophy, right. which was, I'll give you all the information I can put before you. Exactly. And let you know, if you go left, this is what's going to happen from yep. all the years of me seeing it. That's if you right. go right, if you go straight, if you go to the you know corner, that's what's going to happen, I reckon. Mm -hmm. And you might make a decision that I think is going to put you right into the worst position ever. But as long as I've told you everything, to him, that's what he thinks his job is. And, and you've, you know, yeah. you've said the same thing. And you're giving them you know, the decision for them to make that decision. Yes. If they make a wrong decision, yeah. they only All got you can do is support them through it. But That's right, yeah. but they've got themselves to blame. Yeah. They can't blame it on them. Do you know what that sounds like? It sounds like parenting. <laughs> <laughs> you, can tell, you can tell the kid, look, don't do that because I think this is going to happen. But at the same time, the kid gets to a certain age, they're going to do what they want and you got to just hope that you've given them enough info. There is definitely to, parenting in management. Yeah, because you've got to watch definitely. and think, I think, you're going to get that. I think the bus is going to hit you. Oh, I think, oh, he's got hit by the bus. Yeah. All right. So uh, I want to go back to one thing. Yeah. So you said Dr. Dre. We can't, okay. we, you can't just say Dr. Dre and then we just I move, know, I move know, on I know. through the whole episode like you didn't say Dr. Dre. Yeah. Spill the beans. So what happened? How did the whole Dr. Dre thing come into the equation? Okay, so Miss Dynamite at the time was signed to Universal. Okay. And as you know, Universal's got um, other subsidiary labels around the world. And at the time, they wanted to break Miss Dynamite in America. So Lucian Grange from Universal sat me and Desmond down and told us we've got two labels who would like to take Miss Dynamite on. One was Def Jam. Big. That was Leo Cohen at the time. And the other was Jimmy Iovine from Interscope. So we had to have a meeting with both Leo Cohen and Jimmy Iovine on a certain day. And um, me and myself, Desmond, we went to go to the meeting and we had to meet Jimmy Iovine. He was flying from Los Angeles at the time to New York because we were staying in New York at the time. So Jimmy came over. We'd done the meeting. Fantastic meeting. Meeting the guy. Nice guy. I didn't know who he was at the time. Okay. But I just knew he was a big player. Yeah, I, very big. I, Have you seen the Netflix one, the, the Defiant ones? Yes. That's a good Very movie. good program because program, when I documentary. went... Documentary. Documentary, sorry. When I watched it, because I met Jimmy first before I watched that. Yeah. So when I met Jimmy first, I saw how he was. And then when I watched it, I saw exactly how he was. It, right. The connection came through. Yeah, it made... It all, it, yeah. it all made sense because I said, you know, he ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ain't lying. That's how he is. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, good good documentary. Yeah. So go back, going back to when he made the meeting, we made the meeting and um, I won't discuss everything that was said in the meeting, but it was a very good meeting and... Um, Positive. Yeah, we, we was happy with, yeah. with them allowing us to have our own free will yeah. and being creative. What about uh, the one with Leo? Did you have that one? Um, now, Leo Cohen was meant to make that meeting that day. but oh, The same meeting? Yeah, on the okay. same day because okay. we were meant to have two meetings on the same day. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, he never made it. Okay. Right. So our flight was scheduled to go back home the next day. And the next day, I think Kevin Lyles, okay, he yeah. called and he said, sorry, that missed the meeting. And um, if we could stay an extra day for the meeting. And at that time, I told my partner, if you want to stay, you can. My flight's booked for this time here. Jimmy Iovine made the meeting. He came all the way from LA. He made it. Where was the, where, where was the meeting? In, in New York. Yeah, and Def Jam's based in New York. Okay, so you thought, no. Never made it. So I had to return back. I had other schedules on and I couldn't really, you know, stay yeah. an extra day. Yeah. So we decided that we're going to leave. Okay. And the person who made it on that day was Jimmy that's the so person that's we're going with. Okay. So that's how it all happened. Yeah. When it was time to record the album, um, Dr. Dre wanted to work with Miss Dynamite. So they sent for us to come and meet them, Miss Dynamite to meet Dr. Dre. So that's how it all happened. Okay. And we went to Jimmy's house. And um, yeah, that's how we all got together. Nice. I I'm saying it so humbly. So <laughs> but that's how it happened. And, you know, we had a good discussion. And I remember having a conversation with Dr. Dre, Andre, should I say. Why he liked Miss Dynamite. Yeah. And he said um, that she doesn't go around a whole block to get a point across. Okay, that's nice. She's straight to the point. Exactly. So that's how I took it. I was nice, like, and yeah. then I thought to myself, 
king of controversial. <laughs> NWA, you can't, you can't, yeah, you say what you want to say, that's that's and say it loud, that's right. So, that's what his career was built on, yeah, yeah, Do you know what I mean. So, it makes uh, sense, it resonated, so it kind of resonated, and you know, but unfortunately, that didn't happen because of nature. Miss Dynamite yeah. fell pregnant, and you know, okay, you know, nature took its place, yeah. and she wanted to be a mom, and yeah, you know, so well, what will be will be, that's know? right. So, it, it never happened, so to speak, where they recorded together. But meeting them people was, was a great experience. You know? And what I like in all of this is three main things. You know, number one, I like the fact that you were inside and you made a decision. I'm going to turn things around. And you came out and you executed. Number yep. one. I think that's that's great because I think before any kind of luck happens, you need to make a decision. That's right. Anyway, yeah, and, yeah. You, and you need to work hard at that decision. Definitely. And uh, so I think that's a great thing. I like the way staying true to yourself and being honest seems to be a theme throughout your entire your entire journey that's the only you know? way i know i think that's 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 really cool and i think that's key for people i don't know no other way yeah and i think you know even when there's a lot at stake yeah you still just thought you know i've got to stay true to what i think in my heart you yeah. know and uh, i think a lot of people can can take something from that because i think that's that's the key to a lot of what anyone does yeah you know? i think a lot of people are concerned with succeeding or failing and that can be become an overwhelming, I've been guilty of that before, that can become an overwhelming factor in your life, especially once you've had success yeah. because it's no longer a, a fun thing to do and it's now a job. You yeah. know? However, I think even in those scenarios, if you can just somehow, even though it's hard, manage to stay true to what your gut is saying, yeah. then ultimately when you're alone in your room at night, you don't have too many regrets. Absolutely. Everything what you said is right. You know, it's a lifelong experience. It doesn't stop. Yeah. You know, it doesn't stop. And I think if you're true to yourself, you would always prevail. You need the rough and the smooth. That's it. It goes hand in hand. You need the up and down. You know, yeah. it, if I didn't have the experience of, of being away, you know, maybe coming out and having that success or if I had that success without going away, you know, maybe it might have took me somewhere else. Yeah. It could have took me completely somewhere else, yeah, yeah. you know, but I think both experiences in life, I think everything you go through helps you for your next stage. Yeah. It's, it's all about you. balance. Definitely so. I'll cool. say so. Yeah. Tyrone, thank you so much. I think that's a great place to end it. Yep. I hope uh, people listening got something from that. I did. It's a pleasure, my so, friend. Um, it's a pleasure. Everything's possible. It, it, you know, it's possible. Exactly. If you want it or not. Cool. Well, all right. It was a pleasure. Until the next one, man. Thanks. All right, mate. All right. Peace. Peace. told you it's possible it really is possible no matter what road you're on you can turn a negative into a positive and boy did tyrone turn it into a positive very inspirational i hope you enjoyed today's show i really did a little bit of an insight into what it takes to be a manager what it takes to dig deep the problems and complications there are in management and some of the tough decisions that you have to make in business and in life. As always, thank you so much for listening today. If you like today's show, please do subscribe. And if you can, take a moment to rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a huge difference. I appreciate you and your time. If you've got any questions or suggestions for the show or for me myself, please do feel free to email me. It's lamar at thelamarshow.com. That's lamar L-E-M-A-R at thelamarshow.com. If you're an artist or a musician, you need some advice, feel free, send me an email. All right? Until next week, my good friends, I'm out. <laughs>